Welcome back to the Early Weigh-In Podcast. Here this week for UFC Kansas City, big-time fight at featherweight here. We have longtime reigning champ Max Holloway taking on Aaron Allen in a good five-round fight. And the co-main event should be an absolute banger. We've got Edson Barboza taking on Billy Q. It's a total of 14 fights on the books right now. Kansas City's got a nice little showing, on my opinion, Saturday. Before we get into things, make sure to do us a quick little favor. Like the video, sub to the channel as always. I hate to, ke- uh, to keep asking, but we are basically giving out free money at this point, man. Six winning uh, weeks in a row for not just one, but both sides of the podcast. Absolute huge. Uh, last week, UFC 287, fantastic pay-per-view. We saw Masvidal retire in his hometown, and we saw Israel get uh, get his belt back with a second-round TKO, cashing a plus 440 prop for us. Couldn't have been any better. Uh, and again, kept that winning streak alive. A lot of good reads for you to go over last week. Yeah, man, and you know I'll always say it. Anytime that we're both in the green, I'm happy to wear this casual cap right here. Uh, we'll take a look over at your card first. Only straight bet of the night was Jorge Masvidal. Kind of a letdown yeah. uh, as a performance, but um, I'm happy that he's calling it quits right now. Yeah. I think where he's ending, he's still relevant. He could probably make some money in boxing, and I'm, I'm happy to see him leave the UFC now. Um, it was the plus 440 Adesanya by TKO prop that was huge for both of us on the night. Uh, looked like it was going downhill, but I guess he was playing a little bit of a little rope-a-dope, and I, I loved it. It was an awesome knockout. Um, you had Steve Garcia versus uh, Shai Yalan. Both uh, under one, two and a half rounds, and then you also had Garcia scorecards no action. Great bet all around. That was a big cash for you on the on the night. Uh, you had point one units on the mirror sharp by TKO round two and three. It meant to be put in a submission, <laughs> and at the end of the day, it didn't matter. It was just, <laughs> they were just not gonna hit. Um, it, your parlay was for Holland to win and Bahamendas. I think both of them covered their price tag. I think that was an excellent parlay. Um, Font by decision, you know, it, I was about to say right side, wrong wrong method, but uh, I do think that Font was definitely the play there. Um, Kelvin Gaslam, Chris Curtis, fight starts round three. The way they were duking it out, the headbutt, <laughs> oh, there, there were some sweats in that fight for sure, um, but that one ended up cashing for you as well. And then the uh, Godinez wins by TKO at plus 900. I think for the way that that fight played out, that's all you could ask for. Yeah. You're, you're taking a long shot plus 900, and it stayed on the feet the entire time when I thought that that was going to be a wrestling match. Um, you ended up the night positive 4.25 units with a 61% return on investment. Awesome night for you. Looking over at my side, my only straight bet of the night, Michelle Watterson. I also had the fight doesn't go the distance in Watterson round three. Those were all, it's a tough pill to swallow because the only way that I was losing that fight is a Panero by decision. Yeah. One, I think Michelle Watterson did do enough to get the nod. I'm not screaming robbery, though. Um, The fight doesn't go the distance. I made that bet as a hedge um, because I thought that there was finishing upside for Panero. And then I also thought that the Michelle Watterson wins in round three. She ended up getting the back like I thought she would in round three with a off the crappy judo throw. Yeah, it was called to a T. So I don't know. I'm not completely upset with missing those three. I only ended up investing 2.25 units in that. Um, we looked down at the next bet, Adesanya by TKO. Huge, it was my saver of the right. night. I was pretty deep in the hole, and then that put me positive. Um, let's see. Oh, I also had the over the over parlay in both the Burns, Masvidal, and Roses Jr. Rodriguez. They both hit uh, pretty easy. There was yeah, they both went to decision. There were some scary moments definitely in the Rosas fight uh, round one. 
Um, and then I also tried to play Mearshart by submission. Just a bad bet. We were we were just on the wrong side. And Joe Pfeiffer has proved enough to me now that I think he's he's probably the real deal, man. Um, I ended up the night positive 2.08 units with a 37% return on investment, and the streak continues, man. Three UF, or I'm sorry, six UFC cards in a row for both of us. Uh, happy to keep the ball rolling into this week. In our main event, we have Max Holloway taking on Arnold Allen. Allen making a, a surge to the top of the featherweight division as he approaches 30 years of age on a 10-fight win streak, eight years in the UFC. And he's finally put together a few performances worthy of getting a crack at one of the greats like Max Holloway. Um, we've seen over his career making steady improvements as he's climbed the rankings and seeing him over the last few performances, I think we've seen a significant jump in his, his confidence. Um, you know, he's willing to let his hands fly now with the belief that he has the power to stop the fight um, if he can find those those shots. But sadly, we didn't get to see much of that in his last fight against Cater due to injury. Um, but we did get to see a good first round where Allen was able to find some success with his straight left, with the lead leg kicks. Um, it was the fight before that against Dan Hooker where we really got to see the type of power he carries in his hands. Um, I mean, right from the jump, he noticed that he landed clean and then pounced on him, throwing 40 punch combinations, swinging those hooks with everything that he's had or everything that he had. And I think he's lucky the fight got stopped when it was because I was extremely worried about his cardio moving forward after that flurry. Um, I, I think at this point in his career, he's definitely done the best with the opportunities presented to him so far. But Holloway is a huge step up from either of the fighters I just mentioned. And, you know, I've seen quite a few different takes on uh, Twitter this week, and I'm not convinced that Holloway is on a decline like a lot of these people are suggesting. Losing to Volkanovski, especially after the, his last performance against Islam Makachev, means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. Unless we believe that Allen has improved, you know, fight to fight to the point of someone like Volk or 155-pound Dustin Poirier, I'm not sure that, that Allen has what it takes. I mean, you know, you look at the fights in between the those two killers where Max has shown us he's the best to ever do it. I, I liken him to Robert Whitaker of the featherweight division in the sense that, you know, the current champion has his number, sure, but he's proven to be far better than any other challenger the division has to offer. Um, he just got through beating the interim belt holder by unanimous decision at the end of 2021. He 50-43'd Calvin Cater on all three judges' scorecards. He 50-45'd Frankie Edgar and then stopped Brian Ortega in the championship rounds. Which brings me to my next point, man. Allen has never been five rounds in his career. Max Holloway does some of his best work over 25 minutes. I mean, this is a huge ask for Allen. He, he carries an insane amount of muscle, and those arms do get heavy. Just looking at his last fight that went to decision against Sadiq Yusuf, he wins the first two against Sadiq and then loses the third on all three judges' scorecards. I just think that there's an opportunity there for Max to really start to take over down the stretch. And I've, I've taken this stance on this fight. I will pay to see the day that Arnold Allen knocks out Max Holloway off or at least off the the featherweight mountain you know i like i said i've noticed improvements in all of allen's 10 10 ufc fights uh since his debut in 2015 but i have never thought that's good enough to beat max holloway after any of his performances um i'm pretty heavy on max holloway if you don't know i'll talk about it more uh but i like max holloway here man i'm right behind you man it's a killer main event you know max is my dude 
got his got his merch on, been to see him fight live. And you know, normally if he is if he's not fighting Volkanovski and I see something under a minus two hundred, I'd be four units deep on it too. And it's nothing that I see skill set wise from Arnold or even for Max because you know when he's on, man, he, he's a pound for pound one of the best fighters on the planet. I think the volume is unmatched by anybody. Can go a hard five rounds unlike anybody I've seen. Um, and and I have notes about. I thought Allen was you know, vividly slowing down in the use of fight, and it's not a good look going into a fight with Max, a guy who has everything in combination, great footwork, and, and as durable as they come, the most strikes absorbed and never being knocked down. So you're right, I'll pay to see the day that Max Holloway is finished, you know. Um, decline is the wrong word um, if everybody's throwing that out this week, because I, I have seen nothing to show me that Max Holloway's on the decline. Um, the reason for me that I'm not telling you four units deep Maybe Israel, like I said, told you earlier, maybe Adesanya relit a fire underneath his ass when the guy's three up on you and you go out and knock him out. I just question where the motivation will continue to be as long as Alex has the belt, how long you continue to just want to get matched up with the prospects to knock them out time and time again. It's my only knock on Max Holloway is just, is he as serious um, as he once was at capturing gold? Um, a lot more knocks on Allen. The inconsistency for the guy, um, he fights basically once a year. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing stuff online this week about the hand injuries and stuff, and, and that was something I was unaware of until then. Um, but I do think it is noticeable that the guy is still pretty young, and each fight he is making improvements. I think there is a chance that maybe he could win round one at a decently high clip. Um, and if he wins round one, I'm worried that there maybe is another round where he might land the bigger shots of the fight. But you know, not the volume of the fight, and we just go right back to the shitty judging in a place we haven't been to and I don't know how long to judge a fight based on power and volume. It, it just gets a little bit tricky for me, and there's a whole lot of tape out there for how to stay behind your jab and use the front leg kick to beat Max, and, you know, the the southpaw of Dustin Poirier, Max didn't really seem to see the left hand the same, and he's not really fought a lot of southpaws since then. There's some things that kind of got me off the Max side, but Max... It, you know, hearing you talk about it makes me want to jump right back up on the train as well because how much does, you know, the one round with Calvin Cater tell me? It tells me really nothing. I want to see that fight play out because Calvin's another guy with incredible gas tank, the volume, and slightly less boxing than Max Holloway, you know? <laughs> and so I wanted to see that fight play out over five rounds. You know, getting your first real finish at the UFC over Dan Hooker, a guy who took damage after damage at lightweight and then depletes himself after years there to try to get back to featherweight, that doesn't tell me anything either, man. So the more I keep looking into the fight, I do come out on the max side. So I couldn't go the fight without having some type of action on him that I'll talk about later on here. I, I have to throw this out as, as well. You know, we're seeing Allen close as the Pickums at Pickums against Dan Hooker at minus 135 against Calvin Cater. I mean, he was minus one, minus one forty against Jordan Rinaldi. You know, I mean, like how how good could he possibly be to you know Max Holloway not be deserving of something, uh, you know, something minus two hundred or more, you know, or, or when he closed at minus seven fifty against Yair Rodriguez. Like, what are what are we thinking that Arnold Allen has that Yair Rodriguez can't match in some way, shape, or form? Um, I'm happy that we're we're at least both on the side, even if you're not going in on it like I am. I'm, I'm happy that we're both on this side because I do think, like you said, Holloway has all the tools to get this done. Come to the end of the evening, staying at featherweight, we see Edson Barboza taking on Billy Quarantillo. 
banger of a co-main event, man. There is no way this isn't a fun fight. Um, and when Barboza was in best form, you know, a lightweight a few years ago, I'm tracking 11 units on bet MMA on this under, you know, at plus 150 here. But it's just not the reality of it. You know, he he has lost seven of his last 10 fights. He just turned 37 years old. There is a lot of war, a lot of fight miles on him. And you never really like to see guys seeking answers, you know, searching for uh, answers going down weight classes where he's two and three there. It's not the form that I necessarily want Edson in going to back him. It's going to be a damn good idea for Billy Q to wrestle in this fight. I just, I don't know how much of a threat Billy Q really is wrestling. Um, And I think Edson has potential to light the guy up on the feet. I really do. I think he's twice the striker technically. I think he's a whole lot faster than Billy Q. And I think the calf kick is just going to cause Billy a ton of issues like we've seen in his previous fights. And you're looking at Edson, who has one of the absolute best resumes on the roster, including, you know, I know MMA math doesn't really add up a whole lot, but I mean, they're back-to-back fights, like, you know, just six months in between, you have Edson finishing Burgos, and you got Burgos winning, you know, a fight over Billy Q, and primarily six rounds of just primary standing and striking, you know, it weren't, the fights weren't too different. Billy, he's as tough as they come, man, he's got a gas tank like crazy, he can put a ton of volume on there, he's Almost like a poor man's Max Holloway, in my opinion. You know, the striking defense to go included. I remember laying minus 160 on him against Alexander Hernandez last time out. Look, I knew Hernandez was going to gas. I knew he's making 145 for the first time. And and Billy goes out there and still loses round one and gives me a better number at round two, showing me, you know, pre-fight probably wasn't the best way to play him. Mm And I got to go back to my bet MMA history where I laid juice on this guy to beat Gavin Tucker, man. And he goes out there, and Gavin Tucker puts on a striking clinic against Billy Q. It, it was a spot that really made me hesitant to ever go back to the well with Billy Q ever again. A lot of his success really relies upon his opponent slowing down in round two and three. And I've just not seen a striker really put that type of pressure on Edson and slow him down. It's been grapplers, and it's been a lot heavier grapplers, so... Edson is very tempting to me at plus money this week. Think even more tempting for yourself, though. Yeah, it, it's one of these things where it has not seen much resistance, but I'm fairly certain I'll end up having one and a half, two units on Barbosa here by the end of the week. Um, you know, like you, I'm kind of reiterating what you said. Never been too impressed with Billy Q outside of his durability and scrambling ability. Uh, I think a lot of his game relies on the ability to capitalize on his opponent's mistakes rather than creating significant offense of his own. Um, I think that he'll be at a significant striking disadvantage for as long as this is on the feet. Edson Barbosa proven to be one of the most dangerous strikers in the UFC. Um, He's definitely had two big holes in his game. It's always been against grapplers or power punchers, neither of which Billy Q is. And, uh, you know, sure, Billy has good scrambles in BJJ, but I do struggle to, I I do think he'll struggle to get the fight to the mat on his own terms. Um, You you talked about him not not being confident in his wrestling. He's sporting a 24% takedown accuracy, um, which isn't what I would want to see if I were backing Billy. Uh, because, you know, outside of, of jumping his back when Edson is, you know, botched a spinning attack or something, I think the likelihood of him having similar success to somebody like Bryce Mitchell in his last fight or Khabib are slim to none. Yeah, yeah like slim to none. So Edson might be 37 years old, but he just turned 37 this year. Um, I think it's a pretty good stylistic matchup for him. And plus, you're getting a decent price tag on him after a few lackluster performances against some killers at 145. I mean, 
I, I sure as hell do, would not expect Billy Q to have a much better performance over Bryce Mitchell or Giga Chikadze, you know? Um, we're seeing a decent buy low spot um, on a much more proven fighter against someone who's managed to stay relevant long enough to get an opportunity like this to make a name for themselves, you know? And, and what's crazier is Billy isn't even young, man. He, yeah. he turns 35 years old this year, and he's coming off the best win of his career over a known gasser a known gasser i don't think he's going to get the same luxury of barbosa slowing down for him over the course of this three-round fight um so yeah man i'm talking i'm fired up right now i'm i'm all on edson barbosa for my fight of the night i went with ian kute lava taking on tanner boser in the light heavyweight division I think this is going to be an absolute banger no matter who comes out on top here. Knowing what Eon has shown over his whole career, you know he's going to give you uh, give everyone a very fir- tough first round. Um, and to be honest, in that first round, I think he has the tools to, to finish anybody. You know, he has... Uh, underrated grappling while he's still got the gas tank he you know I think that he could put anybody outside of Ankyliyev on the mat and then on top of that he's a physical beast with real power in his hands um, Tanner on the other on the other side you know he's kind of made a career of being able to mitigate the offense of his opponents whether it be footwork or speed of striking or durability um, he's just able to outwork them over 15 minutes I think that this is a fight where if we see Bozer win this we can expect him to extend the fight past the first round rely on his toughness before we start to see Kute Laba slowing down and uh, that's where Tanner Bozer is going to shine in my opinion Bozer has a 64% takedown defense with honestly with past performances that I've seen from him I think we can expect him to hit the mat at least once in that first round Um, all three of his last opponents were able to accomplish that and, you know, I know you have to go all the way back to 2015 to find the last loss by finish on Bozer's record, uh, but I, I still think that Bozer backers are going to be in for a hell of a sweat for the first five minutes. Either way that this fight plays out, I do think that we're going to be in a dogfight right off the bat, um, which is why I made this my fight of the night. I'm curious to get your opinion on it. Uh, easy fight to break down, in my opinion. You know, you, you got Kutilaba, who would love to get the fight down to the mat, and Tanner Bozer, who uh, 100% wants to keep this fight up on the feet. I don't have the clearest outcome money line wise on who's going to have more success where. Um, Kutilaba, it's just kind of known for the same thing. Can't miss, you know, he just mismanages the gas tank, empties it out in a couple minutes, horrible fight IQ. Um, and he's been paying for it on the side of three losses in a row. I do think he's fighting for a roster spot here, um, but I think he gets Bozer down early. Um, I just think it's. I think there's a lot of unknowns as to what could happen after round one, and that's why we kind of see this line doesn't pick them and stuff. Tanner Bozer, he's been hinting at the move kind of to 205 for a long time, but after his last performance where a 265 guy just outgrapples and you can't get back to your feet, I think that was the final straw for him. Um, but, uh, you know, I told you earlier, Tanner Bozer won his fights at heavyweight because of that speed advantage, because of that footwork advantage, being the lighter guy with the better gas tank, and when you drop down to a weight class a lot of those things go out the window so I'm, I'm curious to see um the skill set on Tanner Bozer and how he hangs with the light heavyweights I'm not sold on his ability to keep the fight to the feet you know Latifi is a long time light heavyweight was able to get him down to the ground and you know neutralize him and stall him out I feel like I have kind of a unique take on this fight it's 
obviously it's only a one unit, you know, um, exposure on it because um, back in this in the Kute Laba is very, very scary. But I think the fight goes over one and a half rounds here. You know, um, Tanner Bozer is not a very finishing, doesn't have a high finishing upside in my opinion. You know, I think cutting weight, he's going to have to even be a little bit more worried about his cardio and ability to go 15 minutes. And Fingers crossed with Ion's back up against the wall. He doesn't go out here and blow his wad in the first three minutes. Um, I actually think he's live to get the takedowns and hold Bozer there and, and do damage for two of these rounds. And I've also got a quarter unit shot on the Kute Laba by decision. So a little a little worrisome. I know small exposure, but uh, I'm taking over one one and a half and I'm going to take Kute Laba decision. Which, you know, Kute going to come out there but to your point the last time he went to decision I was really happy that he was getting takedowns even in the third round of that right. Devin Clark fight he, he was able to land three out of five takedown attempts in the third round and for somebody who's shown some suspect gas issues I, I do think that if he's prepared right for this fight it's in there it's you know that that is in there for him I just hope that he uses his brain this fight for my fight of the night, I went with Brandon Royval taking on Mateus Nicolau, and you know you didn't pick the flyweights this week, so I had to. Uh, to shame this fight, honestly, is not the honestly not the co-main. Outside of the main event, is the highest ranked matchup we have on the whole card, and it is buried down on the prelims for some reason. And Roy Vall is about as exciting as they come, man. How often do you see a flyweight going the under one and a half mark as as much as he does? It's a ridiculous pace right out the gates. He's got a good gas tank to back it up. He, phenomenal size at like 5'9 for the division, opportunistic submissions, um, and really good forward pressure, but oftentimes he, he is a bit too wild, and I think it does get him in trouble at, at the highest level in the division. Saw this matchup made, saw the line drop in minus 155. We both got all over that, man. I like Nikolai in this matchup. 4-0 since coming back to the UFC with wins over Cop, Elliott, Dvorak, and then most recently finished Matt Schnell. Makes him six-fight total win streak. Nova Now product, longtime uh, coach by Andre Pettitaneris, you know, coach of Jose Aldo. Um, I told you last week, you know, being in, in his wife's corner, he's been in the United States a whole week earlier, acclimating to the time, cutting weight, making everything a whole lot easier, riding high off of a of wife's win, you know. Um, the guy is very, very patient on the feet, doesn't overextend to get himself in trouble. He's a fantastic counter striker, and while normally that leads to some close decisions like it did with another striker in Manel Cop. You got a dude in Brandon Royval who's just not like that dude. He's going to be coming forward, giving, letting um, Mateus let his hands go, and I think he's a much t better boxer, accurate hands, tight box, fantastic black belt. If this does hit the mat, I think there's plenty of ways Mateus Nicolau can win this fight. Um, so I've chased it down, officially jumped on the train with you with Mateus Nicolau. I got 1.55 units to win one unit on him here, and I think you see something pretty similar. Yeah, I, I definitely do. You, you kind of touched on the point. It's how sound Mateus Nicolau is defensively is what's going to win him this fight. Brandon Roy Val, similar to like Billy Q, he kind of needs chaos to to excel in his fighting style. And I just don't think that Nicolau is going to give him that opportunity. Throw on top of the fact that Roy Val's never won a UFC decision. Mm -hmm. And at flyweight, that's not what you want to see. You know, um, I, I do think if this extends past the uh, initial barrage that Roy Val's going to throw at Mateusz Nikolaou, and Nikolaou can, um, you know, keep the distance, keep the fight where he wants it, just pick him apart. I think this might look like an easy decision win for Mateusz Nikolaou, and maybe a spot that we could look at exposing uh, prop-wise as well. For my fighter to watch, I picked Ed Herman. I mean, the guy's 42 years old, 26 fights deep in the UFC, 
and he's not even the one who's talking about retirement in this matchup. He was able to string together a solid three-fight win streak in 2019-2020 that made you think that he was still rightfully on the roster, you know? Then he takes another year off, pulls out of a fight, and comes back to fight Alonzo Minifield and really didn't give a great account of himself right from the jump. He lost a 30-27 decision on all three judges' scorecards, and outside of showing, you know, extreme toughness, uh, it did seem like maybe his best days are officially behind him. He's now matched up with Zach Cummings, who uh, some would argue is also past his prime, you know? And it, I feel like Ed Herman is kind of being thrown a bone here. You know, I'm not sure that there's anyone left on the light heavyweight division, on the roster in the light heavyweight division that wouldn't be a favorite if they were matched up against Herman. But this is definitely one of his more winnable fights um, that he could be scheduled for. I think, as weird as it may sound, we might see more aspects of Herman's game here, you know, than we have seen in his past few fights. He's got someone in Cummings who doesn't have a lot of finishing upside or fight-ending power, and so Herman should be able to get off some offense of his own without having to worry about getting hit with, like, a minifield overhand right, you know? I do think that we're going to have—he's going to have to kind of come out of his shell, show a little bit more of his tools, and maybe prove to us that he does still— deserve a spot on this roster because um, it's a hard argument to make when you start dropping fights at 42 years old yeah man great fighter to watch uh i know i was reading about zach cummins this week definitely retiring in front of all his family and stuff this weekend and he's coming off like massive back surgery and all that kind of shit so keep your eyes on that herman man uh fighter to watch um take about 20 years off of it here we're gonna go with daniel zell huber uh was one of the many people who you know lost money fading or trying to lay chalk on this guy in his debut and uh, he had a hell of a contender series showing but eh, our fault for laying juice on a debuting fighter like that but i'll be honest with you man um i think he flat out dropped the ball against trey ogden like you have all the physical and skill advantages you could want in that fight and there's not a, a lot of easier fights in, in the lightweight division you know right. besides trey ogden i mean uh zell huber so like no sense of urgency didn't let his hands go despite having like no firepower coming back in return part of me thinks that if it wasn't his ufc debut he doesn't drop it the other part of me says no it was in the apex just like his Dana White contender series showing is and now he's in a live crowd maybe this is really his first UFC debut showing you know Um, again here he is though with all the youth the size the physical tools you could want against Lando Venata great striker nice size and reach advantage and taking the far less damage throughout his career yet it's Lando's line that's been hit from minus 150s almost you know almost down to basically even money and he's got the experience and potentially you know to have a wrestling upside here I really thought Daniel Zellhuber was a prospect. I don't know whether to chalk it up as I was wrong or if it was debut jitters. I do see online um, he was at Extreme Couture for the Contender Series performance, then left him. Now he's back. I think he's got a tougher debut opponent, you know, in Lando Venata. So, man, for many reasons, Daniel Zellhuber, my fighter to watch this week. Lando also training up in Colorado now. I mean, okay. it's uh, it'll be tough for him, and I just can't imagine anybody laying juice on Zell Huber here. He has got that. he's got to prove it, right? He's got to prove it. I think an excellent fighter to watch for this week. For my underdog of the card, already got to talk about him a little bit in the co-main event. It is Edson Barbosa taking on Billy Q. Um, I think that Edson Barbosa has huge upside on the feet. I don't think that Billy Quarantillo has, one, the wrestling to get him to the mat, or two, the control to keep him on the mat. 
Um, Edson Barbosa is going to be tearing up that leg of Billy Q exactly how we saw Shane Burgos tear up the leg of Billy Q. And I think Billy's going to be at a disadvantage after the first round for the rest of the fight, which only worsen his chances of getting the takedown. Um, Edson Barbosa, he's sitting at plus 155. Uh, I have made a bet on that, although I haven't locked it in just because we're seeing zero resistance. The line across the board is going in favor of Billing Quarantillo. So uh, I guess just sit back and wait for weigh-ins. But I do think that once these guys weigh in and everybody realizes that although Barbosa's 37, he's still like one of the most in-shape fighters on the roster. He's big at 145. I do think that we're going to see some pushback on that line uh, post weigh-ins. I like it, man. I like it. I might be joining you. Underdog for me, going to go with Pedro Munoz. I got one unit locked in on him at plus 180. I think we're seeing market overcorrection, as we always do on big-time knockouts, you know, when Gutierrez TKO'd Frankie Edgar. Um, and then how many times lately have we seen these veterans who have that competition edge come and give the vet lesson? You know, Font and Gastelum both did it last week. Sakai a few weeks back. I I think Pedro's still got enough to compete with Chris Gutierrez. I think this is much closer to a price, a pick em price tag. And if this fight is made like pre-Gutierrez getting that TKO, mm-hmm. I don't think you see minus 225 here. Uh, for Pedro, training out of American top team, still has a great team around him. I think he's got just as good of a calf kick as Chris, enough to maybe even neutralize it. I think he, you know, although he doesn't use it, uh, I think he is the better wrestler. He's got a good, nice guillotine, better submission upside. Man, outside of just, like, speed and youth, I don't see a ton of advantages Chris really has in the skill set here, at least not enough to get me to the minus 225 that he was on. In 2020, I mean, this guy is drawing with a flyweight, Cody Durden, coming in on short notice. In 2021, he's going to split decision with Felipe Clares. And in last year, I bet Denah Batchery. And we wanted to go back and rewatch that fight because I remember – being a little biased, thinking Denal was winning that fight. No, Denal is absolutely winning that fight until uh, Gutierrez finds a spinning back fist. And, and then you throw into the fact that it is his best opponent to date, and we've seen Chris Gutierrez go to five split decisions in his career, four more for Pedro. This fight, to me, seriously goes to decision 80 to 85% of the time, and I'm not going to be holding minus 225 in my hand when a split is being read. I think it's going to be 29-28. I think the value clearly to me here is on Pedro Munoz at plus 180. For my prop of the week, we, we're digging for some props here, so we're kind of sharing a little bit. Um, it, it'll be Holloway wins in round 4-5 or decision. Um, a, couple of, a couple of things about this one. I like it in the fact that I think that Holloway – is if it makes it to rounds four or five or decision absolutely gonna pull away in this fight you know i love the fact that it's also plus money my only take back from it is that i think holloway could finish arnold allen in the third round Uh, i do think that there's a high likelihood that he puts more pressure than sadiq yusuf did um in Allen to to really deplete his cardio and uh, i could definitely see Allen folding if his initial barrages aren't enough to uh, put Max Holloway out. That being said, um, Arnold Allen, extreme toughness shown in all of his fights too. And Max Holloway, not really known as a power puncher. So uh, this fight getting extended, you're getting plus 125. Holloway wins in rounds four, five, or decision on FanDuel. Um, I think that's an excellent prop for, for this card, and I'm glad that we're both on it here. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. 
I was a little bit hesitant about it because he finished Jose Aldo both times in the third round. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I was a little bit hesitant as well, plus money being the final straw that made me, you know, pull the trigger on it as well. But I do think Arnold Allen, 30 years old, you know, Aldo a little bit past his prime at that point, just couldn't couldn't hang in there. I think I think you got a tough young guy who's going to take the damage uh, until the, the later rounds, maybe like a Ortega getting stopped on the stool or something by his dad right. in the corner or something. But Live yeah, to fight another exactly. Day. I think Max Holloway teaches the guy a lesson and really does pull away in the later rounds. Uh, the prop I got locked in, I'm going to do the Bozer Kutelaba over one and a half. I'm actually a little bit more little bit more confident in that than I am the Kutilaba decision um, and I actually have more stake on that one so I think I'm going to go over one and a half there and that's seven and a half minutes I think Kutilaba is super super live to win this first round with his takedowns um, and then as it gets into round two it does get a little bit sketchy but I'm okay with it being Tanner Bozer who doesn't just have the highest finishing upside not the finishing upside of like a Walker span a Kennedy and get in such a clue so yeah, over one and a half in a Kute Laba fight. Didn't think I'd ever really play some juice on that. That's going to be the prop this week. I'll keep it short and simple right here, man. For my best bet on the card, it is none other than Max Holloway, man. Um, getting him at minus 200 or better, I think that there's absolute value on this. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, I will I will pay money to see the day that Arnold Allen overtakes Max Holloway. We haven't seen a, a true decline in Holloway. He's just losing to the best guys out there. Um, never been dropped. He's absorbed the most damage. There's no argument that you can make that you're seeing him be less durable. Um, and then any time that he's not fighting Volkanovski or Dustin Poirier at 155, he's slaughtering them. Right. <laughs> um, so Max Holloway, uh, money line, I'm in pretty deep right now. He's my best bet. Nice. Uh, I got two units on Dustin Jacoby at minus 159. Line's been all over the place all week, man. Honestly, started at minus 200, slipped down to minus 150 in the exact opposite direction I thought it was going to go. Been to the well like yourself on a lot of Jacoby fights. I think this guy has improved drastically since his first stint in the UFC. Now training out of Factory X Muay Thai. I really think this guy should be on a 10-fight win streak right now. I was biased having money on him against a Khalil fight, but I went back and watched that fight, and man, really outside of like the last minute and a half, two minutes of round three, I didn't think Khalil won a lot of that fight, man. Um, you know, I think he's going to get the fight he wants here. Dustin's going to get the fight he wants in Merzikhanov. I don't think he's too much of a wrestling threat. Don't think it's going to be too much of a factor. I think we're going to see this fight largely play out on the feet where Dustin excels like he always does. You know, the glory kickboxing stint sharpen this guy's kickboxing like no other i mean it's night and day difference from the first and second time he's been in the ufc he's going to be sporting a massive like reach and height advantage of like five and six inches here he's got incredible volume justin jacoby has the ability to put out in one round what merzikhanov does in all three rounds of his fights he's the far better minute winner while merzikhanov is just that big moment winner and you know Despite these back-to-back round three stoppages, I think Jacoby's going to hold a significant edge in cardio and push a higher pace longer in this fight. You throw in the much harder competition that he's fought. Watching him back, I was extremely lucky to cash my bet on Merzikhanov against Tefan and Chukwi. You know, he, he literally, the volume was not there. Tefan was just piecing him up at range. Something I think Jacoby is 100% live to do, and he's... Merzikhanov seems very finished relying in this matchup against a guy in Jacoby who historically has been extremely durable throughout his career. So, again, 
I thought I had parlayed Dustin Jacoby at minus two hundred with other you know with other things, thinking that it was still a good bet. And so to to see it move against um, you know my thought process is a little bit worrying, but my gut's been been steering me the right way lately, man. So I'm going to go Dustin Jacoby. I think he looks much closer to seventy percent here, win probability two units at minus one fifty nine. We start off the quick pick section in the women's bantamweight division where we see Jocelyn Edwards taking on Lucy Pudilova. Oh, man, I'm so close to betting <laughs> Pudilova this week. Uh, I think I'll end up finding some degenerate way to put her decision prop on my card. Um, I hate paying juice for low-level women's fight, and that's what you'd have to do to bet Pudilova here. She's my pick, but I'm not playing it money line-wise. Yeah, man, she looked great in her, you know, showing coming back to the UFC last time against Shinan Wu. So I get why the price tag is probably where it is. She's going to be my pick as well, but I won't have any action. Moving up to the men's uh, bantamweight division, Gaston Bolaños and Aaron Phillips. You said Gastanos has a pretty nice highlight reel out there, but. I didn't tape this fight, man. To be honest with you, it's a little bit low level. The line wasn't really intriguing on either guy. Um, I'm going to take Gaston Bolaños to win via TKO, but take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, man. I think this is one of those fights where the UFC would prefer Bolaños to win just so they could show his highlight clip. Um, I'd hate the price tag, especially considering he's 6-3. and three, you know. So I'll also lean Bolaños here. No, no actual money on that fight, though. Um, moving down to the women's strawweight division, Bruno Brazil taking on Denise Gomes. Um, I see a lot of people loving Gomes here, although I, I struggle to find a true path to victory. I, I think I think uh, I'm on Bruno Brazil here, not paying the juice for it. Yeah, the clearest edge anybody has in this fight is Bruno striking. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I fail to see the the path to victory really for Gomes, but she is a tough SOB. Mm-hmm. She is I've been dating Carol Hosa for a long time, so I know she's getting the work, you know, on a daily basis, but I'm gonna be on the side of Bruna Brazil as well. Lando Venata, go Mox. Go Mox. <laughs> Fighting Daniel Zell Huber, uh at fifty five. That's a tough one for me, man, because I really did like what I saw out of Zell Huber and then I, I see a performance that I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it was a one-off or if he's just really, really not what we thought he was. Uh, give me Lando, represent UTC. I was about to say we really hang on that one semester he wrestled <laughs> with us, <laughs> but uh, I'm also I'm on Lando Venata. Um, I was telling you I have a plus one forty-five ticket when it first opened, and I'd be much more willing to play him if that was still the line. Um, it's definitely got away from us here, and uh, hate to pay juice to see Zell Huber it was it was a real disappointment right. last time out I'm with you um I'm gonna go Venata here as well not confident in it um moving up we go to the women's uh strawweight division Pereira Rodriguez taking on Jillian Robertson we both kind of talked about Robertson uh looking looking real nice but it also kind of goes back to just how high level are these girls and right. do we want to lay juice um on on the women's favorite you're right man but Dropping down a weight class, she's going to have the size advantage. She has the grappling edge. She's got as many UFC fights as this girl has pro fights, you know. So it's the bet that keeps staring me in the face all week, all week. Um, I don't know if I get there, but I do think I can say clearly that I think Julian Robertson is my pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on up to 205, Ed Herman versus Zach Cummins. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I don't... 
Zach Cummins is the pick. Uh, no bet at all. Our first disagreement, man. I was wondering when it was going to come. I'm going to take Ed Herman here. Like I said, I do feel like this is one of the most winnable fights in the division for him. And Zach Cummings, a bunch of unanswered questions. You hear the R word. Uh, hey, yeah, back away. I'll take Ed Herman for the pick. Um, moving down to the men's flyweight division, Brandon Royval taking on Mateusz Nikolaou. Uh, we're both big on the Mateusz Nikolaou train. I do yep. think that he has... Uh, I don't know, one of the most well-rounded games in the division, and he's going to be a tough stylistic matchup for anybody just because of how difficult he is to uh, expose. There's yeah. not many holes, you know? So, uh, Mateusz Nikolaou, hopefully he doesn't screw us like Ankeliyev, yeah, making it close. Um, hopefully he could, he's the winner, and it shows. Yeah, and uh, I mean... A win here for Nikolaou, and he's extremely close to fighting for a belt as well with, yeah, yeah. you know, with Pantoja and, and Moreno just getting matched up yesterday for July. A win here puts him maybe next up in, in title contentions. Uh, going on up, Bill Algio taking on TJ Brown at the featherweight division. This is the only bet of the card that I have that I did not talk about. Mm-hmm. Seen the line movement in my favor as well. Got a ton of closing line value. I got Bill Algio at minus 145. I think he's a clear pick, man. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I don't have much faith in TJ Brown's game. I think that he's pretty one-dimensional, and I think Bill Algio will figure it out over the course of 15 minutes. I'm also with you. Um, We move up a division to the men's lightweight where we see Clay Guida taking on Hoffa Garcia. Um, For what it's worth, I think this is kind of like a a tough matchup for Hoffa Garcia. I see Clay kind of match up with him well in a lot of the same aspects that he would normally um, excel in. And so, you know... I'm not gonna find I'm not gonna find the play on Guida, um, but I do think that he covers his price tag. As odd as that sounds, Hoffa Garcia is gonna be the pick, um, but I think it's a close one. And you broke it down perfect because you know Hoffa's my pick. I don't think I'm gonna get to the side of Guida, but like I don't know, man. It, it, both these guys like to wrestle, and Clay Guida's a damn good wrestler with a damn good bas- gas tank to back it up. Mm-hmm. My one concern was. Guida's fight with Mark Madsen, two guys who primarily like to wrestle, get stuck on the feet, and Mark Madsen's able to outstrike him. So yeah, if yeah, it does yeah. get stuck on the feet, Garcia may be able to outpoint him. That's why he's going to be the pick for me. Uh, Pedro Munoz, Chris Gutierrez at 135. You know, that's my dog. I took this week Pedro Munoz plus 180. Um, Man, you know, I'm making this pick. I'll, I'll go Chris Gutierrez. I think that they – have a lot of the same strengths and if Munoz still refuses to use his grappling I think we could be in for um, Chris Gutierrez just showing he's a, a, got a little bit more in the tank at the current age that both these guys are so I'll pick Chris Gutierrez but I think plus 180 on Munoz I definitely see where the value is because this could be uh, like you said going to the judges we're not really sure where we're ta- where this fight's taking place um, so yeah Gutierrez for me um Moving on to the second fight on the main card in the light heavyweight division, Ian Kutelaba versus Tanner Bozer. Ooh, this is tough. I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna ride with you. I'm going uh, Ian Kutelaba here. Yeah. I think he I think he gets it done in the first round. It's uh, it's hard for me to. It's... I don't even believe that. I don't even <laughs> believe what I just said, man. <laughs> I, uh, Decision, right? Yeah, man. Okay, I'm gonna take Ian Kutelaba. I think he does enough in those first two rounds. That's Sorry, right. I, I know, man. As wild as it sounds, <laughs> Kutelaba by decision is not far fetched. Uh, you know, it, it it's hard for me to like really go to the well and back Kutelaba with money, but it's also hard for me to go away from a guy where I, I see a clear advantage in. So right. Kutelaba is going to be the pick as well. Jacoby versus Azmat Mirzakhanov up at two hundred five. 
Dustin Jacoby's my best bet. It's, like I said, shocked to see the line move this other way, but Dustin Jacoby's my pick. Uh, it is tough to fade the 12 and 0 fighter. I think that's what's keeping me off of this, and it's a mental problem. You know, it's a, even though you're, you're right, I do see the edges in Jacoby. Um, I'm gonna go with with Dustin Jacoby here as well. Yep. Um, then in the co-main event, Edson Barbosa versus Billy Quarantillo. Um, I'm on the Barbosa side, man. I think that there's plenty of reasons why he is the side, especially at underdog odds. Um, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the odds. Uh, flip flop, like that's almost where I put the edge on Barbosa. I think he's got a significant edge. If you see that much of an edge, I you gotta, gotta hit it. On. You gotta hit it. Um, I probably am more inclined to play Jillian Robertson before I get to Edson Barbosa, but it's gonna be the pick for me. I'm taking underdog in the co-main event, Edson Barbosa to get it done, and in the main event, I'm going with Max Holloway to beat Arnold Allen. I could see the championship round finishes, which is why we took that prop, but I am going to lean Max Holloway by decision. Yeah, I think Max Holloway is the pick. We've made uh, the best case that we can for him, so Max Holloway is the side for sure. Thank you guys. Appreciate you hanging out with us. 14 total fights on the books. A killer, killer main event there. You know, title contentions on the line there. Uh, And we'll see you guys next week for another big fight card. Peace.